0: Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Let's Talk Fucking Cancer podcast. We are so excited for this new year. We have so much in store for you for 2024. We have some amazing interviews, some exciting professionals, some fun tips and tricks, and we're even adding in what is new in cancer research. So please join us every Tuesday for some brand new episodes starting next Tuesday. But for today, we are going to enjoy Miss Sarah Stratton from episode four, Oncology Nutritional Therapy Practitioner. She gave us some of the most amazing information. I can't wait for you guys to revisit this episode and really soak it in. It was one of our most favorites from last year and we wanna share it again with you today. And again, we will be back with you next week with all new episodes. We would also like to apologize and acknowledge our absence over the last month on and off as we were experiencing the loss of one of our most dear family members, um, my bonus dad. And so we have just kind of tried to struggle through and power through, and we just, we're here, we're in the new year, we're going to get this done, and we're excited for this new year, but we do want to apologize for any inconsistencies in the last month. We are ready to be back on track next week, so enjoy today's episode, and we will see you next week for a brand new episode. Hello, and welcome to the Let's Talk Fucking Cancer podcast. We are your support, so let's talk
1: fucking cancer guys welcome back to the studio today yes welcome back thank you for coming back of Julia thank you for being back with us today of course
0: yeah. glad to be here
1: how's your guys's week been really good so when I got here I held back something oh I went 1200 bucks at bingo last night 1200 bucks oh, wow. at bingo great. right <laughs> <Nice>. I, <laughs> so I it. had a great yeah. week <laughs> I love it. Very lucky charm. (laughs) Yeah, right. I I swear it's always beginner's luck, but that's definitely like the biggest jackpot I've ever won.
0: Bingo, too. Yeah. I love it. That's what That was my grandma's favorite.
1: Um, I went with some friends who um, also happened to be nurses that I met and through the oncology world.
0: Very cool. yeah. Yeah.
1: How about you, Joel? How was your week?
2: week was good Uh, work slowed down a little bit so it was kind of nice coming off of a very busy end of the month so i was gonna say you were saying it was super busy there for a while so busy so i have like an office job so i'm just it's like i won't even get into all the details but (laughs) this is her side gig (laughs) yeah yeah no this i would say this is my main full-time job (laughs) um yeah so it was nice to you know have that slow down a little bit get to focus back on transportation and right wedding stuff right yeah. yes camp, that's bachelor, coming bachelorette up. party yes. we have
0: a yeah. wedding coming up for our Antonia my other twin oh, nice. yeah so Julie is the maid of honor and working hard on that
1: yes. <laughs> yeah nice. oh, that'll be so fun yeah.
0: yeah we um we just came back from Cancun so that was fantastic. Oh my gosh, I was just—it was heaven, heaven, heaven. Coming back was so sad, but we're happy you're to be still here now. so tan. I don't—I told Julie, I said I haven't even been in the sun in a week, and I'm still so tan. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. I'm just gonna ride on
1: this tan for a little while.
0: <laughs> but yeah, and then our first podcast came out on August first. Yes. Yeah, so
1: thank you. A- yeah, just thank you for the outpouring of support and kindness and. Just the positive feedback. Yeah, it was really, it was really cool. It was an exciting day. I took off. It was kind of
0: good for me. I took off and went to the Tina Turner musical that day. So I was able to like not sit here and just watch the numbers all day. Leah and I did
2: that <laughs> enough for, for yeah. all three of us because we kept texting you like, what, what are we what do, at? What are we at? How what? many listens do we have? And you're like, I'm at the concert. And,
0: but it was fantastic. And so coming home, I checked the numbers and we had done so well for our first
1: day. And- well, and we actually were... Um, a top trailer on apple podcasts
0: leah sent us a screenshot
1: and she said is this real and it said
0: top trailers and ours was right up there i was we didn't make it to top
1: podcasts though so one day i'm well i'm I'm worried if people listen to the trailer and then decided not to subscribe (laughs) no (laughs) no. i think what
2: happened is not
1: all podcasts do
2: a trailer at first i feel like sometimes they'll start and then they go back and put a trailer in right so i think you know, we put the trailer out a couple weeks a before couple we weeks released, prior. so we had time for people to listen to it, right. and then, gotcha. I mean, we, our podcast just came, or the episode... First episode just came out this week, so yeah. I, yeah, you know, we have time. You know, I'm, I think the trailer is a good sign <laughs> yeah. that you know at least people listen to it. Yeah,
0: well, I idea. mean, I
1: just had to, had to keep us from getting a big head. You know,
0: I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's been a fantastic week, and yes. we're so lucky today. We have our first in studio guest. Sarah I'm really Stratton. excited. Yeah, it's from Remission Nutrition, and you are an oncology nutritional therapist,
3: correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. All yeah. right. Well, yeah. tell us how did how did you get into that field? What what brought you there? Well, what brought me there was my own cancer journey. Okay. Yeah. So I've always been a nutrition, I call myself a nutrition nerd okay. um, uh, my whole life. Um, when my mom took me out to eat when I was younger, we would always go to the Sizzler. I don't remember if you guys remember the Sizzler. salad bar was yeah. my favorite. Um, my yeah. favorite. <laughs> and I would always pick up all the broccoli and cauliflower. And then the people that are, were working there, they'd come over to my mom and say like, How did you make your daughter eat like this? And she's like, no, you see my plate is all mashed potatoes and other (laughs) things. And she's always like, you know, so I've always been really into to nutrition and health. But my own cancer journey brought me to kind of support others through nutrition and kind of further my education in oncology nutrition. So when um, tell us about your cancer journey. Yeah. So when I was 37, I was actually listening to a podcast wow. <laughs> and they were talking, it was just like a group of girls that have a podcast and they were talking about doing a self breast exam. And I was like, Oh, I haven't done one of those for a long time. So I was driving and feeling around and I was like, Oh, I feel like a little eraser kind of on my breast. And so didn't think it was anything. I had a two daughters and one was two years old and I was like, Oh, probably milk duck clog, right. but I should probably get it checked out. Nice. Um, well, and can yeah. I like the fact that when you yeah. say it felt like an eraser. Yeah.
1: That is the most descriptive um, explanation that I've ever had because it's always just check for a lump. Yeah. Just check for a lump. I happen to have dense breast tissue, so it lumpy. So, you know...
3: Having so something
1: have, yeah like very finite or so okay yeah. so it felt like an eraser yeah.
3: thank you yeah yeah I know <laughs> I, I'm sure it, probably everybody' feels a little bit differently but that's yeah. how it felt for me okay. and it was tangible kind of thinking about it as I went through treatment like oh the eraser's kind of going away <laughs> you know so right um yeah so I was diagnosed when I was 37 with um, strange 3c triple positive her true ER PR positive um and so pretty much a shock to me and my family um so, yeah, that's kind of where it all started. And so, uh, yeah. does that
1: mean that yours was hormone receptive or non hormone receptive?
3: It was hormone receptor okay. positive. So, okay. um, ER positive, estrogen positive progesterone positive and then HER2 positive. Mm-hmm. So um, as soon as I kind of found that out, um, I've been working in healthcare for 20 years, but more on the administrative kind of professional side and marketing and strategy. Um, so thankfully, I, healthcare was very close to my heart. So I was able to accelerate my path and you know right. knew who to go to and when to go to them. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how it all started. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah.
0: So what did that what did that cancer journey look like before yeah. we get into the professional side yeah. of what you're doing now? How did how did your cancer journey look?
3: Yeah. So as soon as I was diagnosed um, and I figured out kind of the staging of everything, mm-hmm. you know, I was led into the traditional path. Right. So, um, for me, because it was already accelerated, um, was immediately into chemotherapy. Um, and so my journey looked like chemotherapy for about four to six months. Um, and then I did surgery after that. Um, and so I did, um, I chose to do a lumpectomy, um, and then also reconstruction and, um, I think luckily for me, because I was in the medical field, I knew about oncoplasty providers. Oh, okay. And so I had the ability to get to my lumpectomy and reconstruction at the same time. Um, and so I know a lot of people that are thinking about different surgeries, they have to kind of wait and kind of get reconstruction later. And so I really thought it was really cool to find an oncoplasty doctor. Yeah. And she actually was a cancer survivor herself and a younger one too. She was That's also 38. Oh, oh my gosh. Um, and
0: I, you know, I've never heard the term oncoplasty. Yeah. No, oh, yeah. I had yeah. That's, and I, I had my
3: own plastic surgeon for that worked with my oncologist, my surgeon, but I hadn't heard that term. That's yeah. awesome. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So a great find for me. She was in San Francisco, so an easy travel. Um, and so I had my surgery. And then a few months later, I went through radiation. Okay. Um, and so that was about, I think I had a, probably about 40 sessions of radiation. Okay. So it was a longer longer, longer kind of term radiation. Um, but kind of going back to when I was originally diagnosed... Immediately when I heard the word cancer, I reached out to my functional medicine doctor, um, who I had already had a relationship with from working on just health holistically. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, my gosh, this is happening to me. What do I need to do to support my body going through all these treatments? And yeah. so for functional mm-hmm. functional medicine, yeah. explain that to me. Yeah. So in my case, I, I functional medicine, medicine providers could be integrative medicine providers, DOs, naturopaths. Okay. There's you know, a lot of different types of functional medicine right. providers. And so mine was an integrative medicine provider. She was traditionally MD and she switched over to kind of more functional medicine. Um, and I had a consultation with her right when I was diagnosed and we got on a path to support my body with nutrient dense foods. Okay, I did sure. a lot of fasting. I did keto when I was going through treatment to support my healthy cells, sauna, exercise, sunlight, all of the things just to kind of keep my body at a state of homeostasis as much as I could during kind of the traditional treatment path. Wonderful. And did you feel like though that also helped you support your mental health? It did because it gave me something that I could do for myself. Right. And so a lot of people when we're diagnosed with cancer were relying on the oncologists and the surgeons and and our medical team to lead us through it and we're asking them what am I doing next but taking it into our own hands with lifestyle strategies we have control of certain things we have control of when we go to sleep we have control of what we put in our body we have control of our relationships and so I really believe that that supported me and I think because I had that alternative approach, my chemotherapy was much smoother. My radiation was much smoother. Um, now working with a lot of cancer clients, I see that chemotherapy, you know, we you, their numbers look, you know, we're, they're always testing their white blood cells. Right. And because of chemotherapy, they might have to delay treatments. That never happened to me. And I believe that was because I was supporting myself so holistically during that time. Wow, okay,
0: listening to you, I I already have a client in mind who I need to get in contact with you. I love this so much. That's Mm. great because I definitely had the... I wanted to take a more natural approach and do more natural, holistic um, things for myself and work especially on my mind and yeah. and stuff throughout. But I didn't. I didn't have a functional medicine yeah, doctor. Yeah, that would have been a, a great resource to have.
3: Yeah, and I think that's where a lot of people are at because they might not have access to one, and because treatment usually happens so fast. So fast once you're diagnosed and so if you don't already have one in your back pockets it might take a while to get in to see somebody so yeah Yeah. that's
2: awesome (laughs) I think um I think it's probably so overwhelming for a lot of people at first too when they first get that diagnosis Mm -hmm. that you don't even really know what you can ask like I would have never thought I could have asked for any sort of integrative medicine doctor I think you're told kind of the um like the rough outline of what your treatment's going to look like and you don't know that you can ask for other things like that. Absolutely. Do you have any sort of like suggestions for how to bring that up, you know, to a doctor when should people ask that right away from their doctors, if that's available to them yeah. or how should someone go about that?
3: Yeah. So I think, yeah, definitely researching what they have access to through their own insurance or through their own healthcare organization. For me, um, I went through Sutter Health. Um, and so we had integration integrative medicine within wow. Sutter Health. So I was able to access those providers, but a lot of people don't have access to that through their own healthcare organization. So they need to look outside and they can do a lot of research, just kind of going and looking for a, a holistic provider looking through for a naturopath and so sometimes the traditional oncologist they might not have those resources and we have to be our own advocates and do our own research to find who is part of that team for us yeah
1: and a lot of times um insurance may not cover it and so Mm -hmm. i'm very glad that your health system supported that yeah Um, and it may be an out-of-pocket expense and depending on your insurance your hsa um, will cover it or you can submit for reimbursement um but it is out there. But you, you may know. have to be willing to pay out of pocket. Yeah, for it's,
0: sure. It's interesting because I went through Sutter Health as well, mm-hmm. and I I know now, but I had no idea back then that yeah. they had the in- integrated um,
3: medicine medicine. Yeah,
0: and so I, it wasn't talked about by my doctor. It wasn't talked about by my nurse advocate. Yeah. It wasn't talked about. By anyone, so I didn't even know it was there. Yeah, and now after the fact, and after learning so much, I've learned that the, you know those things are available to us. But even when you're in the system, if you don't know, you don't know. And so, yeah. getting this out- information out there is so important.
3: Yeah, and I find you know, a lot of providers have different thoughts about functional medicine. Right, and some might not agree with it. In its entirety. So, when I was going through my treatment, I was like, hey, I'm fasting through chemotherapy. And, you know, some of the nurses were a little worried about me, right? Mm-hmm. And they just were like, oh, I don't think that's smart. You know, we don't want you to lose weight. We don't, you know. What so, was the
1: thought process or what was the reasoning behind fasting going through chemotherapy?
3: Yeah. So, there's a lot of research for fasting during chemotherapy to support your healthy cells. So, obviously, chemotherapy is attacking your whole body, right? It's kind of going after those cancer cells, but it's also going after the healthy cells. It can't kind of spot treats. And so with fasting, um, it puts the cancer cells more at stress. So the oh. chemotherapy can be more effective at targeting them, but also it kind of helps protect your healthy cells. Um, so there's usually less side effects for a lot of people who are going through treatment using a fasting protocol. Wow. Excellent.
0: The yeah, things you, you learned it yeah. was when we, when I got diagnosed, I happened to be on whole 30. Yeah. We used to do whole 30 every six months. And my mom immediately said, stop. Stop, you you need to eat, you need to, you know, eat all the things. I don't want you to, you know, lose weight and yeah. get sick. And I struggled going back to normal eating because I felt like the whole 30 was doing so much better for me. Um, I did go off a whole 30 and go into eating kind of whatever, yeah, <laughs> whatever we had at the time. But um it's nice to hear that doing these other things is okay. Yeah. You know, then yeah. taking a different approach is okay than just listening directly to what the doctor say. Don't deviate from the path. And, you know, you can do some other things to help support those healthy cells, like you were saying, where chemotherapy targets all the cells. Yeah. And
3: when I was going through my treatment, thankfully I had my integrative medicine doctor, but around that time a book came out and it's called The Metabolic Approach to Cancer. Um, And it empowered me to understand how the mechanisms worked, how different food supports our body um, so that I had the background to know, like going into this, like I felt comfortable with it. And I think everybody has to have their different comfort level of what they're taking on themselves. And then also to be able to explain that to their medical team, right? um, Because it is different, right? Um, But what makes us, you know, unique is our approach to everything. So yeah, yeah. and it's funny, I actually
1: did do a program through my doctor's office where Part of it was fasting mm-hmm. and her the the nutritionist's reasoning was you deprive those cancer cells mm-hmm, of right. giving them something to feed Fuel. off of. Yeah. Yep. And I, now, when I fast, I just like I picture my body just like fighting off or I, like either fighting them off or the cancer cells just like shriveling.
3: Yeah. Right? I picture like them popping. <laughs> the like, yeah, right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just can't picture them kind of popping. Like right. pop, you don't get any fuel. Pop pop there And I kind of feel like that with like fasting, exercise, mm-hmm. sauna. Those are all kind of hormesis, ways of hormesis or her- hormetic her- stressor that puts the cells oh. at stress a little bit. Okay. Um, and so cancer cells aren't as resilient. And so when they're, when they have a little bit of stress, they might, you know, go into mm-hmm. apoptosis and mm-hmm. autophagy. So. So you, when you were through, your, going through your cancer mm-hmm.
0: journey, you went ahead and did some fasting through chemo. Mm-hmm. What else did you do?
3: Um, So I did fasting through chemo. Right. I did the ketogenic diets. Okay. So that is a very low carb, high fat diet right. um, that kind of has similar effects to fat fasting to put those cells that you know, a little bit of stress because they don't have that glucose as the fuel. Um, so I I did the ketogenic diets. I did a lot of sauna, infrared sauna, um, just to help with detoxification, but also that stress on the body. Um, I did a lot of light, you know, getting outside into nature, walking, movement. And I did exercise. Um, I was always a big exerciser. And thankfully, through chemo, I was able to exercise, maybe not at my same, you know, intensity, but I was able to do that almost daily. Because for me, that was important for my mind and my body to stay strong. Mm -hmm.
1: So can you talk about giving yourself the grace to go easy on yourself and Mm -hmm. not feel like I have to be at 100% and I have to push myself to 100%? So how would you say, like, what level do you think you toned it down to from like on a scale of like one to 100?
3: Um, So I probably toned it down to like 60. Okay. okay. Um, And so w- when I was meeting with my integrative medicine doctor, she h- had said something to me with, you know, the way I exercise, it was always depleting me, right? I was very intense, very early in the morning, kind of working out as hard as I can. And she said, kind of reframe it to like exercise that lifts you up, that adds more into your life. And so okay. I did, then I switched more into doing more yoga and doing more walking. and making sure I got out into the sunlight versus like an orange theory at five AM, you know, in a year again. So if
1: you don't puke, you didn't
3: (laughs) that's kind of what I and
0: not I didn't do it super consciously. I had my good friend of mine who came over all the time to make me walk. Yeah. And she made me go on 4-mile walks a day. I don't even do that now, but I which I should. But she had me getting up and going and if I said no, she would sit down on the couch and stare at me until I did. Yeah. And so, you know, getting out into the sunlight mm-hmm. and doing a 4-mile walk and that actually opened up the door for me to do a, another chemo mm-hmm. on top of what I was doing that we really wanted to do. Yeah. And so, um I definitely I feel that that nature the sunlight, getting out there and getting that activity really, really does
3: help. Yeah. And it's really supporting our ATP and our mitochondria too, right? Exercise helps generate that energy so that our body can kind of, you know, stay strong through the traditional treatments. Wow. That is fantastic. Mm -hmm. So yeah, my journey was, so I started my chemotherapy in March um, and I did chemotherapy until July. And at that point I was able to do another PET scan um, that showed, No evidence of anything flaring on the PET scan, which was amazing because all my traditional providers were saying like, that's probably not going to happen. That's not what we're expecting from this treatment for you, just for how far it's advanced and also for the HER2. Um, So seeing that. PET scan like really ignited my passion saying like I do believe all of these things I'm doing for my lifestyle my nutrition really gave me that advantage Mm -hmm. that's fantastic I love
1: that you had your own empirical evidence
3: yeah I know right definitely yeah Yeah, because when I was waiting for those results I'm like oh my gosh (laughs) right um and so then (laughs) I had a little bit of like also like I can't wait to prove you It was a, it was a little bit of that, but I think still so much nerves, right? Right. Just because, and that point in time, you're just like, I don't know what's going to happen, you know. And I, but you have to just trust in yourself, and even so much around like just the placebo effect in general, right? If we believe and we trust in ourselves, outcomes will happen, right? You know, exactly. So you you were diagnosed stage 3C. 3C. So was it inv- um, invasive to your lymph nodes? Lymph nodes and chest wall. Okay. Yeah. And okay. so when I went into surgery and I had the double lumpectomy, um, because I actually had DCIS on the other side. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and so I had a double lumpectomy. I had the lymph nodes taken out on the side that had the lymph node invasion. Okay. Um, but then I was able to, after that surgery, within about a month and a half, get back to weightlifting, oh, good. Um, which kept me strong to go into radiation. Right. Good. Um, and then the radiation cycles last me through the middle of November. Um, and my birthday was on November 4th that year. So oh. I was hoping to be done at my birthday, but since right. they extended it a little bit, it was a little bit past. But on November 4th of my birthday, I did a Spartan race with my friends wow. in the what middle I of can. chemo, in the middle of radiation with my bald head. That's amazing. Lymphoma sleeve. And so I it really was- need to reevaluate <laughs> some of my life choices. But it was just a way for me to, show- pr- to prove myself that like I can keep my body right. strong through all of this. That's right. Exciting. Fantastic! So. I I have a, a friend, a client friend,
0: who um, she was doing the same. She was weightlifting, she was running, she mm-hmm. was working out all the time. And I just I was so amazed at how strong she was being. And I mean, I did my own walks and stuff, but nothing to that degree. Yeah. And it was just really it was inspiring. And she was her journey was a little later than mine, yeah. so I was like, man, I wish I did that stuff, you know. Yeah. But. Uh, integrating it now and later into my life has helped yeah
3: and i think it's all you might have done other things that supported your body right right? definitely so for me that was kind of what i went to to kind of you know keep my mind off things (laughs) wow Yeah, that. And then I did um, for a few extra months, I did the targeted therapies for her too. Um, and then I, as part of my treatment path, I also had my ovaries removed about a year and a half later um, and then was on tamoxifen for a while. And then I'm now I'm on an aromatase inhibitor. And so five years out now, five years, oh, five years. Congratulations. Mark, here, congratulations. So, yep. That's yep. Fantastic. <laughs> I love that. So when did you um, make this your life your your passion yeah so i think once you're a cancer survivor other people come to you from word of mouth right and say like hey my aunt just got diagnosed. Can you talk to her? Or am I am I got diagnosed. Can you Can I talk to you? And so I was getting people coming to me asking for my thoughts on things and just wanting to chat. And I knew enough from my own path, but I didn't feel um, educated enough to talk about the mechanism of why okay. and the purpose of things. And so I wanted to be able to do that for others as part of my path to, to help educate, to help others learn, to support themselves through treatment, to support themselves before treatment, to support themselves after treatment treatment um so i made the decision to further my education as a nutritional therapy practitioner um and then i have been working with people for a while just on hormone balance and guts and weight loss and then i wanted to take that a step further to get my oncology nutrition certification so that i can actually work with pa- cancer pa- patients and clients going through cancer that is fantastic do you yeah. um do
2: you find that it it helps um patients or people in general to um really adapt their um, or change their lifestyle or integrate certain things such as exercise or you know some sort of um, clean whole food eating. Do you find that it's easier for them to stick to that once they know the me- you know the mechanisms behind it and how it actually works inside their body like on a cellular level?
3: Yeah, when I finished my first credential for a nutritional therapist i named my company purposely rooted um, because i think going back to the purpose of why we do things is so important and it's like yes you should eat some more cruciferous vegetables some more broccoli some more kale some more arugula but unless you can connect that to like estrogen detoxification right, right? you know and different things like that and the anti-cancer aspects of it but also the hormone regulation aspects it's like well why am i what why Why am I eating this? You know, and so once you can connect to those things for the food that you're eating or your lifestyle practices, I feel like people, it's more achievable and it's more consistent.
0: That's, I love this so much. And, yeah. uh, we get so many questions about nutrition mm-hmm. and so many questions about hormones mm-hmm. and the nutrition and a lot of things I just I don't know and yeah. I don't know how to answer. So finding you is such a blessing because we can get some of those questions answered and bring those people to you and help help them out so much. Yeah. I just love this.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It's part of my passion just to help others. And hopefully one day my goal, ultimate goal is like to be in Hawaii on the beach, yes. you know, but also have my part-time Consult, practice as a nutritionist. from an iPad. Yeah, yes. it's from the iPad. So I'm just kind of working up to that I like for my retirement.
0: <laughs> so what brought you to Remission Nutrition?
3: Yeah. So when I um, completed my education with the Oncology Nutrition Institute, um, the um, owner of Oncology Nutrition Institute also had started up written. Mission nutrition. And she had recently sold that so she can focus on the school. But she said, hey, you really have to meet the owner of Remission Nutrition, Jen Nolan. You guys will get along so well. And so we had our first Zoom together. And it's like, hey, I think we were meant to be paired up together. And so it was just so awesome because I wasn't sure what I was going to do after I was done with that education. I was like, oh, maybe I'll see a few people on the side here and there. But to be able to be brought into a group who has been doing this for a long time and have that sisterhood and support and case review and and foundation has been uh, so amazing. And I'm so happy and excited. Marvel. So how many practitioners are there? We have four um, total. So oh. just a few of us. Um, okay. And a few of them are located in Colorado, oh, cool. one in Texas, and then I'm, I'm the only one right now on the kind of... So you are able to do national consultations and work virtually
1: with, with patients and clients?
3: Yeah. Yeah. We see everybody by Zoom. Um, they, we actually have people worldwide. Um oh, that gosh, is yeah. exciting. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited. This is so great. How xenophobic of me to only think of a <laughs> <laughs> right. I know. Oh my gosh. Well, the amazing thing is that we work in partnership with a lot of naturopath providers. Okay. Um, and so they send us referrals for nutrition um, many times because the naturopath provider or the integrative provider, there's so many things that they want to spend their time with the their patient on. Okay. And so diet nutrition. It takes so much time, and we have we, our goal is really to meet everybody where they are um, and to support like their body depending on their type of cancer, where they are, what kind of treatments they're in and so we can so we you can come do up that. with
1: a cus like a an individualized plan for them,
3: yeah, for everybody, and we are really terrain focused and so the book I mentioned before the metabolic approach to cancer it kind of goes back to like having that great terrain, the soil in our body to make cancer in in a hospital place to survive. And so we kind of look at digestion, um, hormone balance, inflammation, your immune system, your stress. And then we kind of look at an individual and say, where are your biggest opportunities? I'm going to develop a plan for them.
1: Okay, so what are some of the most commonly, or what are some of the supplements that you use a lot?
3: Supplements, um, I would say vitamin D
1: yes.
3: <laughs> is like queen, <laughs> yes, <laughs> um, such a great kind of anti-cancer supplement in hormone. So obviously we can go out into the sunlight and get vitamin D, um, but there's not many foods that we can get vitamin D from. And so for everybody, for most people, they do need a vitamin D probably supplements. Um, something that we also do is um, we look at um, everybody's, we hope to look at most people's um, genetic snips. Mm-hmm. And some people have a snip for vitamin D uptake, like oh. myself. So when I was diagnosed, my vitamin D was like 25 right? So very low, even though I am a sun worshiper. (laughs) Um, So that means that for myself, I have to supplement with extra vitamin D to keep my levels higher. And so I would say that's always a a go-to.
0: Now, when I was going through cancer, I had read, I was trying to read every study, every research, anything on triple negative breast cancer. That's what I had had. And they were showing that um, these high levels of vitamin D Mm -hmm. were actually killing cancer cells and are you is is that true? That, to your knowledge, do you what do you know about that in the vitamin D fighting cancer?
3: Yeah, I think vitamin D, like other things, kind of help support um, anti cancer effects. So there's different hallmarks of cancer, like immune evasion, right, is one. And so vitamin D supports your immune system, so that cancer can't evade it as easily. Okay. And so it has anti cancer actions against the hallmarks of cancer, like that, supporting your hormones, um, helping induce apoptosis, perhaps. So okay. there are anti cancer actions. There's tons of studies on. Vitamin D levels and cancer, and it's nice to go into treatment with higher levels, but also keep those levels up, kind of ongoing. That's good to know. I don't think I started
0: taking it until it might have been after treatment or right during treatment, probably around the middle of
2: treatment. I I learned about it and I was reading about it. I feel like during um, chemotherapy was when um, all of a sudden there were all of these supplements, vitamin (laughs) D three, the turmeric, grape seed, and I just I jumped into
0: a bunch of supplements just. Reading, going, okay. I think this will work. I think yeah. this will work. Not really knowing and having any background in it, yeah. And asking my doctor, she was just like, yeah, "Go ahead." I know. Yeah, she didn't really have any advice for me.
3: Yeah. So supplements can be a slippery slope during chemotherapy and radiation.
0: Right. We were going to ask yeah. about that yeah. because of the yeah. oxidizing, oxidizing. Uh-huh. Um,
3: treatment, and if you're taking antioxidant. Is that? And it, it just actually, it's very bio individual, right? Okay. So there's different types, so many different types of chemotherapies out there. Um, and different chemo- types of chemotherapy have different actions. Okay, And those actions can be different on how the antioxidants are used. So for a lot of chemotherapies, like there are some really great supplements that kind of go hand in hand, like oh. high dose vitamin C, right? So is something that really yeah. is supportive for a lot of chemotherapies, but also it helps people feel better through their chemotherapy regimen. And another great one is melatonin. Oh. Melatonin. Um, and so there's a lot of studies on having melatonin during treatment and how that helps you stay more resilient and have lower side effects and more effective cancer treatments. Um and but then there's some other ones that it just is very dependent on the type of cancer in the chemotherapy, like curcumin, um, like right. glutathione. Um, so it just it's very individual. So we look at the type of chemotherapy um, that's being used and do a contraindication kind of checker against okay. the different supplements to see what's synergistic, but what are things that we need to avoid during the treatment for very chemotherapy good. and for radiation. Okay.
0: That's fantastic because I know someone like me, I just jumped into the let me take everything i've heard can help with cancer instead yeah. of going to somebody who knew yeah. this is what you can take this is what you shouldn't take and you know having had a resource like you at the time would have been amazing
3: yeah and that's something we help definitely help people with supplements. And also naturopath providers are really great in helping people understand supplements. Um, also, if it should be something that's taken orally right. or like a high dose infusion. So kind of getting a team together to either somebody that's very versed in nutrition for cancer and look at those supplements, um, but also a, a naturopath type of provi- provider, integrative provider that has that level of education. That's good. I know
0: that when I had been going through it, they or I think I was just done with treatment and um, at the time I had been terrified of taking any antioxidant because I was getting chemo, mm-hmm. and they—I want to say it was on the East Coast—they were doing IV um, vitamin C infusions yeah, with yeah. chemotherapy, and I was like, "Wait a minute, yeah, that goes against everything I thought I knew." Yeah. And then come to find
3: out, it is such a huge help. Yeah, and there's different types of so obviously antioxidants are in pretty much all types of plant foods, right? So we never want somebody to avoid eating blueberries or you know getting those brightly colored. Pigments and polyphenols in their foods. Their foods, I feel like, are always pretty safe. It's those high dose supplements that we just need to be more wary of. But sometimes at a lower dose, a supplement could have like an antioxidant effect. But then sometimes at a high dose, like the IVC, it's like a pro oxidative effect. Oh, okay. And so. It's just very, it's very individual each time around. That's good to know. That. Yeah.
2: That's really good to know. I love that. Mm-hmm. So one thing that I've heard that I've always been curious about, and I, it kind of just popped into my head, so I'm glad we have you here, yeah. is I've heard that um, disease can't thrive in an alkaline environment. So do you have any um, takes or opinions on keeping your body at an alkaline
3: state? I think the way I think about that is eating, the way we eat in an anti-cancer environment and with nutrient density. If we eat a lot of plants, a lot of green, and avoid the processed foods, our body will be in that state more naturally. But if we start to eat inflammatory foods and sugars, you know, so that's kind of the point of view that I take um, looking at it in that way. Um, Because I think if we're looking at our terrain and our soil, if we're feeding our bodies, you know, leafy greens and great, pigments from teas and herbs and spices, our body will get into that zone where it needs to be very strong and kind of make cancer in hospital to thrive. Okay. Okay. I love that. Yes. Yes.
0: Do you have Um, So you're saying it's very individualized. And what do you think, though? Do you see a difference in um, diet shifting through treatment, after treatment and such? Because during treatment, you're getting your chemo, your radiation, all those things, and um, your hormones are being disrupted and we don't quite know where we're going to land at the end of that. Uh And then at the end you're kind of learning your body again and your hormones mine were out of whack and I have mm-hmm. quite a few clients who this is a huge question of, with them is now after treatment yeah you know should their diets be different than it was during treatment are we should we be focusing on a different a different train of thought through each stage or is it just kind of individualized
3: again? So I think from our approach, we always focus on the metabolism. And our approach is very much the metabolic approach to cancer. And so making sure that our blood sugar is balanced is probably foundational. Um, and just just because the blood sugar, you know, if we have too much glucose, it can kind of maybe support some of the cancer pathways. Um, and also it makes us feel crummy. <laughs> and if our blood sugar is up and we're eating high carb foods, our immune system is suppressed. So I would say the metabolic approach and blood sugar balance is always foundational. And then I think it always goes back to the individual, how I guess aggressive they want to be during their treatment. So for my example, when I went through it, right, I was already, I had already learned about the ketogenic diets and fasting. So I was like, Hey, I'm going to throw everything I can at this. And so I'm going to be very aggressive. Um, and then I was pretty aggressive for about two years out from treatment, still doing very ketogenic focused diets and fasting. Um, but then I had my ovaries removed, right? right. And I was in induced menopause. So, you know, I found myself three years in, into menopause and like, is my, my body's changing a little bit. Right. Um, and so then at that point in time, I was like, Ooh, you know, I need to reassess my nutrition. Right. And so that's when I started to bring in kind of more proteins, a little okay. bit more kind of carbs in the form of like some carrots and some bees okay. and other vegetables. Um, and so I think it's very individual based, but I think depending on if it's a hormone driven cancer, right. and you are losing your hormones. Um, there's a lot of different things that maybe go into it. Um, okay. Then also the stage, right? So if somebody is at a more advanced stage, they might have to be, you know, a little bit more focused on nutrition longer term. Okay. And I think everybody that has a cancer diagnosis should learn how to kind of support their metabolism into cancer and then after cancer and and what that makes sense for them at that point in time. Okay,
2: I like that. Very nice. So what are some, just to kind of um, sum up, all we just talked about because I know it was probably a lot of information. Um, What are maybe like four or five um, major things that a person can do to um, help balance or support their hormones um, maybe uh, during and after treatment?
3: Okay. Number one, make sure you're pooping. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> yes, and that during treatment is tricky.
3: Yeah, it is tr- very tricky during treatment. So, like a probiotic would would you would you recommend like a probiotic? You know, it, d- it just depends on the person because probiotics can help for some people, and it sometimes doesn't help for some people. Okay. So,
1: and fi- that's another one of those categories where there's a gajillion of them. So you want live, viable, refrigerated probiotics because. You don't want to feed your gut dead bacteria.
3: Yeah, yeah, and then there's also some new soil-based ones that are also very Ooh. supportive. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Right. Um,
2: metabolism and
3: yeah, yeah. So, but if if we're not going poop regularly, right we're recycling estrogens okay. um, and okay. we're recycling toxins Okay, and there's different estrogen pathways. I mean, we don't want to re- be recycling those bad estrogens, no. right? So we need to make sure that those hormones, those toxins are getting evacuated from our bodies okay. um, through making sure that we're going poop, making sure that we're sweating, mm-hmm. making sure that we're drinking enough water to, you know, get out through our pee. So all of those areas and ways of evacuation breathing the right way, we need to make sure that all the toxins are, are leaving our body. Toxins. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. All right. And that kind of also goes hand in hand with eating enough fiber. Okay. Um, And so for our kind of metabolic about ba- balanced diet is very plant forward, but it's not vegetarian. It's not vegan. I was it's, going to ask, yeah, is it a
0: plant based or
3: it's plant based because we believe plants are the center of everything. Sure. Right. But we do use a lot of animal protein just okay. because it is has all the complete amino acids that support our neurotransmitters, support our detoxification. And so I think, you know, making sure we're eating fiber, making sure we're eating great animal foods, um, and then also healthy fats. So healthy fats are essential for optimal hormone production. Um, Mm -hmm. And we really, our foundation is really the Mediterranean diet is like... You know, love that diet. Oh, God, force
1: me to eat dolma,
2: please. (laughs) I actually just recently did a whole deep dive on the Mediterranean diet. And I was like, this is going to solve all my
3: problems in life. Yeah. And we really focus ours on, on the vegetables. Um, that healthy animal proteins wild caught fatty fish okay. um, and olive oil I feel like is like I a was going to s- ask what yeah. your number one fat was yeah olive oil okay. all the time it's all I use it's like yeah I just heard a story about um, <laughs> there was somebody
2: uh, from Greece that he I think um, lived I don't want to misspeak he was over 100 yeah and someone had asked him like what do you do the, to, to keep up your health he said I drink one little glass of port every day, and I take one tables one tablespoon of olive oil every yeah. day, wow. just as a supplement. I yep. do, yeah. yeah,
3: I love that. That's why I suggest to my clients is just think of olive oil like a supplement, yeah, right? right? And right. you know, if you need a little kind of like shot glass to make it exciting, right. you know, like, <laughs> go for it. But you know, I just drizzle it on top of my vegetables. I use it in my salad dressing. I take it as a supplement. You know, olive oil I think is is awesome. So yeah, it's
0: fantastic. I think
3: that's great tips for yeah. yeah. I'm sure. And then I'll you. just add one more that I really always think about too for hormone production is just really supporting the gut, right? If we don't have the right microbiome balance and we have more of the kind of pathogenic gut bacteria, those guys love, you know, processed foods. okay, And Mm. so when we eat foods that are processed, higher carb, those guys are like proliferating and they're crowding out the good bacteria. We want all the good bacteria. Those guys like the fiber. Um, So all the greens, like the artichokes and the asparagus and your spinach, they love that stuff. And so the more good bacteria we have, the more stronger our hormones are, the more our inflammation work or immune system works and we can fight off inflammation. And um I really like to think about our gut as being kind of a multifactorial system. So there's prebiotics and that comes from all of the great, amazing, like colored vegetables. And then there's probiotics and that comes from like the sauerkraut and the kimchi. Oh, and yeah. that helps kind of support and and build more of those healthy gut bacteria. And those create postbiotics. Oh, okay, I don't know if you've heard of postbiotics no. before, but those are the magic that happens when um, pr- we feed the probiotics to prebiotics. And that helps our create b12 it helps our neurotransmitters it's kind of like wow. the magic juice wow, after to all know. you know the support our gut back, bacteria and microbiome well and there's
1: also the brain gut access and yes. so yes. A, a well-balanced microbiome really um heavily influences your mental health yeah. and is um really great for depression and anxiety yeah So, I mean, it's just, there's so many good things about good gut health.
3: Yeah, yeah. Your hormones, your mental health, you know, your inflammation, you know, everything starts in the gut. (laughs) Especially after, you
1: know, you've had chemo and your immune system has been, you know, wiped out. It's so important to... Repopulate your gut yeah. with that good Absolutely. bacteria. Yeah, that's
3: a great point. Yeah, yeah. Um, something that I think I'm going to put on a t-shirt. I talked about it with one of my clients. Was when in doubt, sauerkraut. Oh, I love <laughs> it. I
2: love that. <laughs> I need one of those. <laughs> I'm a kimchi girl. Can you come yeah, up yeah, with one yeah, for yeah, kimchi? <laughs> I'm a
3: cricketer. I will make you the okay, shirt. Awesome.
0: <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So speaking of the diet and um, all that, do you have? which i'm assuming you do but a preference organic versus non-organic uh-huh. and um any kind of tips do you do you have for that because you hear so much about oh it doesn't matter if you eat organic it's still tainted and blah 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 mm-hmm. what what do you have to say about
3: that yeah so i think about it like in a framework of good better best um, and so I think good is organic, right? Yep. We, I think organic is awesome. And I think if you want to start kind of at that base level, at least doing organic with the dirty dozen and the clean 15, okay. um, and I'm not sure if you guys yep. are familiar with EWG, but they come out with the dirty dozen clean 15 every year. And those are the vegetables where the glyphosate, um, is more saturated in them. You know, like think about a strawberry, right? You're just, okay you know, any kind of pesticide is just saturating that strawberry okay. versus if you're eating a banana, right? That banana has, you know, the skin to protect it from the pesticide. So definitely think starting, you know, with the dirty dozen clean 15. Um, and then if you can go, you know, all organic, if you eat you know as possible, that's better, right? right. So just because our soils are our, our rainwater, the water does have, you know, pesticides in it. And then I think best is getting at your farmer's markets. Yes. Um, because you get it local, you get it seasonal, you can talk to the farmer, you can say do you spray even if they don't have that organic certification you can kind of learn and it's local so it has higher polyphenols so I think that's best
1: and if you don't know where your local farmers market is um, you can literally google Mm -hmm. farmersmarket.org and they pull up a schedule and based on your zip code and you can find a local farmers market Oh,
0: that's fantastic I love ours right out here at um whole foods, whole foods. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah that's my favorite one
1: i drove by mine today
3: i actually <laughs> I like hit on the, the one on the you. way here because i was you? like i missed mine so i was like i bet there's one up in that direction so i googled it and i'm like i'll head it on my way up yep, so i have there. my veggies in the car right I now, now and I some, have to an t- ice t- pack
1: it's <laughs> so funny i have been talking about these strawberries and any of my friends listening they've already heard about these damn strawberries <laughs> i can't stop talking about them they are so good they taste like candy oh. yeah like i literally go to the farmer's Market,
3: I know, so much different than the store. For the strawberries, yep. yeah,
0: yep. I learned it was so funny. Uh, It was years ago when I was um, actively in the nursing world and uh, Farm Fresh to You was Mm -hmm. a big new thing. I forgot about that. uh, Yeah. Yeah. And so we started getting the boxes and one of my coworkers, she said, you're going to be so shocked at what that carrot tastes like compared to the little shaved down baby carrots that we get at the grocery store. And I told her after I got my box, I said, I haven't had a full carrot like that in forever. And it was phenomenal. It tasted so different. I right? have
1: such a hard time coming back to the states after traveling internationally mm. because nothing tastes good. Yeah. And I mean, I remember we were doing um, an excursion in Costa Rica. It was a cooking excursion, uh-huh. and we had you know we made this salad and there was no dressing on it. Oh, but and I lovely. forgot what a tomato tasted right? like, and it was the most delicious thing. Like I'm like I can taste the memory <laughs> as I'm talking about it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that just those just got natural, natural
0: flavor. Um, when I was doing whole 30 all the time in in one of, I want to say the books or something I watched from, um, them, it's, they were talking about how at one of their, um, conferences, someone was saying, but I can't add sugar to my strawberries. Like, how is it going to be sweet enough? (laughs) And they said, try the strawberry itself, just the strawberry. It is sweet enough. Uh, uh,
1: um, I just saw, uh, chef Jose's One of his chefs was talking about peeling strawberries... Oh. And so you don't, you know, strawberry. taste the seed or the skin. You're just getting oh, I love it all anyways. <laughs>
3: strawberry.
0: <laughs> yeah. But it was just, it's funny to think that we've done things so long over time, like adding sugar to your fruit or adding when it's naturally sweet. Yeah. Why boiling would we be be doing your vegetables. That? Boiling getting, your vegetables to death and getting rid of all the good stuff. Yep. And it's like, there were so many things I was raised doing that I'm thinking, what in the world are we doing adding sugar to our cereal and our our fruit and boiling our vegetables to death. And so, you know, growing up, I've learned a lot of (laughs) better ways to do it. But since cancer, I've definitely learned a lot of better ways to do my food. Mm
1: -hmm. And so, and I I was doing my Instacart order this morning and I noticed that organic is pretty much the same price as regular now. Oh, really? It's kind of... I honestly, like... I was I mean, say, I'm stunned I'm, at what the cost of a head of cauliflower has come up to. Yeah, yeah. everybody's expensive. But right an now, organic so. cauliflower head was the same price as non organic. So why That's wouldn't amazing. I go with organic? Yeah, yeah. So I know that not everybody has access to that. Yeah. So, what are some budget friendly options for people who may not um, have? that kind of grocery budget.
3: Yeah. And I work with a lot of clients that actually live in places where it's kind of more of a food desert, right? We're so lucky in California. Everything grows amazing here. We can get it fresh. Yeah. Yeah. We're in the prime area for great vegetables
1: and fruits. So I never realized that until I moved to the East Coast and went grocery shopping for the first time culture shock. Yeah, Yeah.
3: please. Sorry. Oh, no, no, it's true. I didn't realize that too much until I started working with so many people that don't live in California. Um, And I say, you know, do what you can, right? But we can always use frozen vegetables organic if we don't have fresh. And so usually if they don't have fresh, you can go to the freezer aisle, you can get a bag of frozen broccoli, um, cauliflower, cauliflower, rice, asparagus, there's a lot of different things you can find in the frozen aisle. And I think that's a great option if you don't have that option to grate fresh produce. Okay, cool. That's good to know. I always
0: steer clear of canned do you do you feel the same way or do
3: you think that there's still some benefit to canned? I mean, it just all depends on what you have access to, okay. right? And so if you don't have access to the fresh and you then, can only have cans, then look for then the great, best quality canned, okay. right? And, and just kind of meet yourself where you are so you're not too stressed about okay. it. I like that saying, meet yourself where you are. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. And something, my little tip and trick that I always tell everybody is like, Herbs and spices mm-hmm. like are such an easy way to kind of get those extra nutrients. Say so it's like, okay, I didn't eat oh. a ton of vegetables today, or I don't have access. Like, I haven't gone to the farmer's market for the last week, so I didn't have a lot of veggies. Right. And so this morning when I made my eggs, I looked in the pantry, and I was like, okay, I got this spice, I got that <laughs> spice, I got this herb. Okay. And so I'm like, I'm still getting a lot of the great polyphenols and antioxidants from vegetables, but in a spice and Good herb form. Know. I never so, thought about it I, that, I, that
1: way. I love the thing about herbs and spices, and I think... I used to think vegetarian food was boring, oh. and now I realized how boring, a, like a traditional meat and potatoes diet, can be because exactly. you rely so much on the flavor from the meat and the meat juices, mm. whereas. In a vegetarian or vegan plant-based diet, you're using a lot of spices and seasoning, and mm-hmm. it's almost more exciting because you're almost getting more adventurous flavors right. and better flavor profiles than just you know beef broth or chicken broth. Right. Or, you know,
2: <laughs> I've actually heard that from one of my other podcasts. Is um, that one of the hosts was talking about when they switched from um, you know traditional diet to vegan and. They were saying some of their friends were like, "Oh, don't you feel so limited? Like, don't like, did that? You know, don't you feel like there's so many things you can't have?" And he was like, no, i've I've discovered so many things that I can have. That I feel I never more creative. Yeah. yeah. It really opens up a lot of creativity and and, you know, just like freedom to, incorporate foods that you would have never done before like that traditional like meat and potatoes and rice and I love that yeah
3: Yeah. I even think about like my meals I'm not like a big artist in like the traditional sense but sometimes I make my my plate look like art which is kind of weird so it's like (laughs) I look at all the colors and I'm like okay I got my protein I got my you know chicken or my fish or my eggs right and then I got my veggies but I'm like getting all these colors and placing it nicely and I'm getting my nice good fats or my hot sauce kind of make a little rim around it my microgreens on the side it's really
2: silly but i'm like oh it's art that's (laughs) great i cannot eat a dinner that is all one color there's something so (laughs) off about it to me i'm like this isn't right this well and
0: i need julia and uh, julia and her fiance are Amazing at their diet and cooking. I think I I don't know that she knows. I really think that of them, but I think they're so inspirational. They're very into food, yeah, and pretty huge food. foodies. For yeah. me, it's
2: more about the taste. He is more about the actual cooking, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And
0: that's a good <laughs> But they're great <laughs> at adding. They add in all the things to their diet, and I've been so proud. I'm like, yes, they do really well with adding
2: the vegetables and all the different things to the meal. Lentils to make it a, have become such a l- Lentils. a great meat substitute for us for you know if we're doing anything with a traditionally you would make with like a ground beef or a ground mm-hmm. turkey lentils treating it like seasoning it like
0: oh. with some sort of
2: like taco seasoning yeah um for enchiladas or just using it as a ground meat substitute has been insane and it's a, an amazing protein yeah
1: yeah, yeah. i saw I'm, one influencer who was using jackfruit as a substitute for carnitas oh my gosh yeah.
3: interesting i mean i feel like there's so many substitutes but i always go back to like having animal protein is also very important, right? right? And so if we're not, if we're limiting that protein for a certain reason, because we think it's healthier to replace it with something else, it's like those animal proteins are kind of nature supplements. Okay. And so if we're thinking about the ground beef and the ground turkey, it's like, I kind of think about that, like I'm getting my zinc and I'm getting all these great things. I'm getting my amino acids. It's almost
1: (laughs) nice to get permission to eat meat.
3: Yeah.
1: Eat it, girl. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Because a lot of
0: times, especially, I don't know if you found this, um, when you you were in your cancer journey or after but a lot of times I was being preached to to go vegetarian or vegan yeah and
2: I felt so bad and like I'm doing the wrong thing as, as women at least I've heard and have been told so many times you know just time and time again that that dairy and meat you know, they, they mess with your hormones. And as women, it, it causes high rates of cancer. Mm-hmm. And there's so, you know, I that's, I grew up thinking that, you know, dairy and meat, red meat were bad for me. Yeah. You know,
3: and- I think it goes back to quality, right? And mm-hmm. so some of the c- conventional, easy to access meats and dairy probably aren't the best for our hormones because they're right. feeding those cows, you know, corn and sometimes skittles and they're injecting them with hormones <laughs> right. and so that's why quality is king or queen so looking for the pasture chicken and turkey looking okay. for the wild-caught fish the grass-fed beef so amazing what a great yeah. was funny, I
1: there was a documentary that and i never knew the difference between corn-fed and grass-fed mm-hmm. thinking oh right. it's just you know it's all nature but right. then learning that the cow's stomachs don't digest the corn and yeah. then seeing them post-mortem Oh. With undigested corn, you're like, like there's your evidence right there that it's just sitting there creating gases. And you yeah. know, it's like, oh, God. What? And I was like, grass-fed from now on. Yeah, yeah.
3: you want them out eating the grass, <laughs> yeah, roaming yeah. around, walking, right? Right. And- happy cows, right? Yeah.
0: But it is nice to get the permission to eat meat or yeah. animal product yeah. because um, I feel like a lot of times coming out of cancer, you're not given that permission. Yeah. And I am just simply a meat eater. Yeah. And, and I'm absolutely anyone who's vegan, vegetarian, fantastic. I think that's great. I just, it's not for me. Yeah. And so I've tried to live as clean as I can since I'm having animal product. And I, I do feel like it's beneficial, Yeah, but it's definitely like you said, you know, Meet where you're at and you know what you can do. So we try and just make sure that I did butcher box for a long time, yeah. which is fantastic, but it's pricey. Yeah. And so, you know, the husband's like, Hey, <laughs> yeah, what what else can we do here? So I'm just a little more picky and when I go shopping and you know, find my own. And meat. there's
1: a lot, I mean, go to a butcher shop. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. There are yes. and they have great Prices and you're supporting about that. small local farmers. Yeah. If you have the access, um, if you have a large friend group, go in on a cow yes. or a pig I together. Yeah, um, you're gonna get you know the cuts you want, mm-hmm. and you're you're gonna know what you're getting, yeah. where it
3: came from, exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. And yeah, and I was I was nervous too when I was going through my cancer journey, kind of being more on the far side of plant-based. Yes. I still had some animal protein, but as I've learned more, I know I know the it purpose of it. It takes pressure off yeah, a little bit more, and I, yeah. that's great. Yeah, and I know the purpose. And when we get back to the metabolism, mm-hmm. right, lean or meats in general have limited impact on our blood sugar, right? Okay. And yeah. fats have limited impact on our blood sugar, but the grains... The processed foods have a very high impact on our blood sugar, okay. right? And so, for eating, I th- how I think balanced is having that animal protein on your meal, having those vegetables in abundance, and then having some nice fat. That is balanced, and that will prevent a lot of blood sugar spikes and oh, dips. Wow. And that's what really goes back to supporting your hormones and supporting oh, your mitochondria. So good to hear. I just, yeah.
0: I love this. I know so many of our clients who are going to be so excited to hear this right? because they're <laughs> they're big questions about the blood sugar and hormones mm-hmm. and all of that and what they should and shouldn't be eating. Yeah. Yeah. You feel feel kind of stifled sometimes when you come out of cancer because we talked about was there any long-term changes for me? Yeah. And I said there was many short-term changes, many. I just, I didn't know where to go. And- I kind of slowly fell into a comfortable place where I felt like, okay, I'm still going to have animal products, but I'm gonna just do better, yeah. better with my choices and be a little more cognizant of what I'm putting in my body instead of all the processed stuff and making sure it's grass fed and stuff like that.
3: Yeah, yeah. It's like, there's so much to learn and there's so many conflicting voices out there. So many. Yeah. Um, but I think especially as, us, as women mm-hmm. um, and especially those that have gone through hormone cancers, and also are in early menopause. Um, Having more protein in our diets is gonna be protective for our joints and for our bones. Um, It's also having more protein and doing weight training is gonna be an additional glucose sponge. So where does, if we eat some carbohydrates that can either go through our bloodstream, right? right, And then into our fat cells, or they can go to our muscles. And how are our muscles fed is from some good quality protein and then some resistance exercise. And so I think that's just even more important for women, especially those who are in right. early menopause or in menopause in general. Right. So, Sarah, yeah, I
2: personally am a huge fan of um, mushroom supplements, THC oils, CBD oils. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to get your take on how if you feel like they are beneficial during um, just in general and then also during or after treatment to help with any sort of digestion, hormonal memory, you know, cognitive functioning.
3: Yeah, 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 I think mushrooms are magic, right? Um, So I wasn't a huge mushroom fan coming into my cancer journey. Um, My mom used to always saute mushrooms downstairs, and I would like try to hide because (laughs) I just couldn't (laughs) handle the smell. Um, But now that I know the purpose of them, right, so immune modulating. And so I think we encourage a lot of people to try to eat as many mushrooms as they can as part of their anti cancer diets during treatment, after treatment. But if they can't eat them, um, because, say, if you're going through chemotherapy and you just can't handle the smell of mushrooms, um, I think sup- the supplemental powders are really awesome. Uh, I myself, for my anti breast cancer kind of support, use turkey tail. There's a lot of research okay. for breast I cancer and that. turkey tail. So I use that as kind of a powdered supplement that I add to my shakes today before I came. I had a little bit of lion's mane to help. With memory and cognition, Um, and so that's think that's really helpful um, for different types of cancers, but also just in general. So, I think there's I think everybody could benefit from a different kind of therapeutic mushroom, and then adding them into your diet as much as you can. Great fibers, really supports gut health and very immune supportive too. What kind of
2: mushrooms? Because I have heard um, that sometimes you know, like the white mushrooms you can get at the grocery store don't actually have a ton of great nutritional benefits. But I've heard that shiitake and um, is it portobello that have those great sort of immune? Oh, I love a portobello yeah.
3: mushroom. <laughs> Actually, the white button mushrooms, oyster mushrooms, um, yeah. shiitake, shi- mitake. Um, I think whatever you're comfortable with cooking with, I think is awesome. And so I would just try just different ones. If you Now when, when I go to the farmer's market, I'm seeing more mushroom vendors. Yes. Yeah. And so you can talk to them about like your taste styles and how you would cook it. And then I would just experiment with it. Like I like to chop them up and, and make kind of like a little stir fry with some ground meats and then, you know, some tamarind sauce. And so I think there's lots of different ways to cook it. I think it's up to the individual's preference on how you do it. But I would just say experiment and then find what you like and then just have that as a staple in your diet. It's great to have variety, but if you just nail in on one or two, I think you're getting a lot of great benefits. Awesome. Awesome. And then what about um,
2: THC and CBD oil um, during and after treatment?
3: Yeah, so our bodies have endocannabinoid receptors. Um, so CB1 and CB2 receptors. And so we could use things like CBD and THC to modulate, modulate the immune system. Um, but it helps, you know, just thinking about what somebody's going through, traditional cancer treatments, if they are nauseous, you know, a little bit of THC might help that. If they're having trouble sleeping, THC and or CBD is really supportive. So I think it comes back down to like, what you're experiencing during that time, and then how you could use it. Um, I use during my treatment to help me sleep a lot of CBD, some THC. So I think, you know, different people have different feedback on how they want to use it or if they want to use it, but Individual preference, but there, I think there's a lot of benefits. I was um, at one of my last checkups,
0: mm-hmm. and I saw they have a survey now on the wall yeah. in the in the room about THC and if you're using or not th- during your cancer treatment. Really, and so you could scan the QR code and answer the questionnaire. And the the doctors, the oncology offices were. Asking these questions and wanting to know your experience with it, and I thought that was really cool that they're actually talking about it yeah. now instead of hush hush about it. I feel it.
2: like that's a very, um, and I'm I love this. That's, mm-hmm. I'm super supportive of this. I feel like that's a very roundabout way of we can't necessarily ask you to do re, uh, to do a study right, <laughs> right now, but please give us your feedback. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and it was it was really cool, and it was kind of comforting to
0: say, hey, like. My doctor, who's super traditional and it's your chemotherapy, your surgery, your radiation, you stay on this path, was like, hey, if you want to take this survey. And I was like,
2: absolutely. Yeah. I just thought that was really <laughs> cool, so cool that they
0: were putting it in all the patients' rooms and really caring about, hey, what else are you doing and how is that affecting you? So I thought wow. that was really neat that they were incorporating that now. Yeah, yeah, once
1: they approve it federally, I think it'll be amazing because it can be studied scientifically, researched. Yeah. I mean, there's... Can,
3: and I feel like there's already such, there's already some great research out there, but absolutely. I have noticed some of my clients, they have federal jobs. Right. And right. so I was talking, you know, I'll talk to them about sleep and it's like, if we've tried all of these other things, you know, have you tried this? And they're like, I can't because I have a federal job. Right. right? And it's like, oh, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. If we could just get it approved federally, I think yeah. the world would be a better place.
2: <laughs> it's so, it's so heartbreaking and disheartening to hear that because I have just, you know, I'm such an advocate for, for you know, medicinal mushroom and and cannabis use. And I feel like it really just, you are less dependent maybe afterwards on pain medication for Mm. joint pain, Mm -hmm. bone pain, muscle pain, or any other sort of like pharmaceutical, It not having that, not being able to use those natural, you know, just supplements such as that it's just it's so yeah you have to get to a place where i feel like it's you know accessible to everyone slowly
0: but surely i i think i really think we'll
3: we'll see Yeah. yeah and for myself too it's like part of my kind of long-term remission plan is kind of limiting my alcohol use. Right? right. And so every once in a while, I want to have a fun girls night with my girlfriends. And so we might have a little bit of THC, right. right? right. And it's like, I feel like it's just, you know, kind of puts you in that more playful behavior, which is so healing, it right. It is healing, you know, and so. then and it with helps no
1: you. hangovers yeah. with, with yeah. no hangover.
2: Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You're she not feeding so those credit. free radicals with alcohol. Yeah, yeah. 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 exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Great. Well, thank you. Yeah. yeah. So to kind of, um, you know, segue from um, diet and and supplements um, into lifestyle changes, what changes do you feel have, you know, the most positive effect on the mind and body, both during and after treatment?
3: Yeah, I think regulating stress is huge. Before my diagnosis, I was kind of like an adrenaline junkie. And I was like, the more stress, the better, you know. Um, And that's something that I had to really kind of Get in touch with myself about to not take on as much and be intentional and purposeful about what I did take on, um, but also just learning how to breathe is so important. It's like I feel like nobody learns how to breathe right, and so once I understood, I have it tattooed on my arm, they, oh, I love that. Yeah, I
2: needed a reminder. <laughs> yeah, it's
3: like if we can breathe through our nose and slow and rhythmically, it sends a message to our brain that we're not in a stressful situation, so it resets our nervous system, so we can be more in that parasympathetic rest and digest. Yeah, so to kind of continue that about, you know, being, you know,
2: getting to a place in that parasympathetic, you know, state. Yeah. And how does how that affects your your well-being?
3: Yeah. So, in our parasympathetic state is when we can digest. It's when we can remove the toxins from our body and we can support our immune system. And so many of us are always in that kind of stressful, kind of sympathetic, yeah. like fight or flight, and we don't even know it. And so I've been more intentional about taking Breathing breaks, breathing through my nose, just stay, laying outside in the sun during the workday if I can, just to kind of rebalance myself. Um, Because I think before my diagnosis, it was like, go, 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 go. And it was never, yeah. I was like, I don't need a break. I need a break. We all need a break.
1: Oh, up until six <laughs> months ago, I finally acknowledged I was living in fight mode. Yeah, yeah
3: you can feel it, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: This is probably the most on-the-go person I know. Leah
0: is on the go, on the go. And I'm just like, I don't know how she does it. Yeah. You're just go, go, go.
1: And <laughs> I'm just like, woo. <laughs> now it's more stuff that fills my cup than Good. stuff that I'm, Good. you know, obligated to or right. having to stay busy or just, I don't know. It just, but yeah, I acknowledge like there was just some like anxiety in me. And it was right. like, I finally after you know just kind of doing some shadow work and stuff it was like no i'm i'm constantly living in fight mode yeah right and it was going i don't want to do that and taking no. a step back and being mindful and just right. yeah filling my cup
3: yeah i love that and i feel like um when we're going through cancer treatments it is very scary and there's a lot of stress that can come of it and you know where you're going through treatment you're feeling like a little pain in your in your body and you're like oh, is that the cancer spreading yes. and then you're going into a panic attack <laughs> <laughs> and so going into tre- going into treatment and I think just at any point in our, our life learning how to regulate our stress response system is so beneficial so we don't get into that like right. scary place. Well, and I feel
1: like it also has allowed me to Lead from a place of love and kindness and empathy. Yeah, yes. right. Because I'm not shields up, guards up. Mm-hmm. Um, You're not hyper vigilant. Yes, and
2: it's
0: a hyper vigilant.
1: That's exactly. Yeah, like yeah. head on a swivel, just waiting. You know, making sure I'm not never caught off guard. And it's definitely a process. It's definitely
0: mm-hmm. a process to learn how to get out of that phase because I know that during during my treatment and right after. I was hyper vigilant on everything and living in panic mode at all times. I'm sure you completely understand. Yeah. You know, and it's like I had to learn how to take those moments, take those breaths, get out in the sunshine and literally let my mind just stop for a minute because I could not, my mind was spinning all the time. yeah, And I definitely, you know, I went into therapy and that's helped a ton, but it's like, it's a process to go through all of this and get to a place where you can feel like you're just in a more calm state. Yeah. And so just people working on, you know, getting to that state and doing the things that they can to maybe help their, their mental health, just kind of catch up with their physical health, you know?
3: Yeah. And I think there's little tools and tips and I think it's individual for everybody. Like, do you, can you do meditation? Do you, is it just breath? work do you want to try an adaptogen is yoga right for you do you want to do reiki you know there's so many tools in the kind of anti-stress toolbox and i've tried them most of them but it's like you can kind of go once you learn them can kind of go back to your core you know and figure out what works best for you or where do you what do you pull in when you need it most and actually to go
2: back a little bit can you explain what an adaptogen is is that um like ashwagandha or?
3: Yeah, an adaptogen is um, a plant agent that uh, adapts with your body. So if you are very low energy, it kind of helps bring the energy up. If you are too high stressed, it kind of brings you down to the middle. So it kind of helps okay. bring your body into homeostasis. So things like holy basil, ashwagandha, rhodiola are all different types of adaptogens. Even turkey tail and different mushrooms that we talked about are adaptogens. They're um, a our immune system. Um, so there's so many different adaptogens. Um, and I think about finding what's right for you. So I use like holy basil more often, um, because sometimes the ashwagandha can kind of promote some of the hormone, um excitement a little bit. So okay. just oh. finding out the right one that works for you and working with somebody that's educated on it. It's really helpful. Very nice. Awesome. Yeah. I love that.
0: If you find, if someone comes to you and you find they have a block mm-hmm. and they're just not able to at, at that moment, yeah. get what, what you're telling them, or they're just kind of blocked on the exercise and getting out and moving or any of that. Do you have any good tips for trying to break through that?
3: Yeah. I think picking one thing that you can do Right, just kind of really focusing on one change, one change at a time because we get so many things thrown at us. Okay. And so finding that one thing that works for them at that point in time and saying, forget about the other things, where's our focus and what's the purpose for that? Moving okay. Back to that. Well, we appreciate having you here today. We I sit
1: here and talk to you. <laughs> we could talk all to you. Day. For, oh,
3: I know. I'm just, <laughs> I love this.
0: But I definitely want our listeners to be able to find you. Yep.
3: How can they find you? Yeah. So I do nutritional consultants um, at Remission Nutrition. And so we have a team of four people. So there's um, all of the services on the websites. We usually do packages or where we see people a few times and do a very in-depth um, analysis of their history, their food journal, um, their treatment so to really create a very individualized plan for them.
1: And I did check out some of your packages. Yeah. And I think that they are very for the value that they're very reasonably priced.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So that's where you can find me. Um, and you can always follow the remission nutrition Instagram. They post some different tips, um, cancer related. And then on my Instagram, Sarah Stratton I just kind of post about my life and how I'm living with purpose. That's great. Thank you, Thank so you much. for being yeah. here yeah. today. Yeah. It's, Thank I you like so much. Lailia said, we could talk to you all day
0: long. <laughs> I just love this so much. Thank you for coming today.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. And listeners, if you have any topics that you would like us to follow up on, or if you have any questions, please feel free to email us at podcast at weareyoursupport.com. And follow us on all social media platforms
0: at LTFC underscore podcast. Find us on Apple music, Amazon podcast, Spotify, and hopefully coming soon to all your other podcast platforms.